What's up, ladies? How you doing? Oh, sweetie! We made it! Everybody excited to be here? Oh, nice. <laughs> I don't know how PC that is, but nice. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm so glad you're here. You showed up for my breakout session. My name's Veronica Moorhead. And, oh, and uh, I am actually, I, I'm from a church in Ohio, Victory Church, but this used to be my church home, which is awesome. And I'm so glad to be back here and to be able to speak to you on a message that the Lord had really placed in my heart several months before I was even asked if I would come back and speak uh, at this session. And um, I really believe God has given me a vision for what is going to happen today. And it's exciting. It's really exciting. And I think if you chose this breakout session, I think most likely you are in the midst and the grip of a battle that you are tired and you are weary and you're just done. And this is gonna be that pep talk. We're gonna get you back up, we're gonna get you fighting because Jesus has something for you right now and it's don't give up. Why don't you tell two people around you, say don't give up. <laughs> That's right girl, don't give up, don't give up. This, this moment, you have to realize, you have to, to know that we all know, and if you don't know, now you know that there is a spiritual battle going on. And that spiritual battle is going on around you, and the enemy wants to make you not keep your eyes on the thing that is going to give you the most peace, the most comfort, and the thing that has victory, right? The whole concept and idea of warfare is this, the enemy is trying to run you off of what God is promising you. He's trying to tell you that those promises are a lie and they're not real. He's not overt. He takes our own thoughts and he fans them into flame, right? Word says that we need to take our thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. And I don't know about you, but in a given day in my thought life, it's pretty bad. <laughs> there are times where I get really upset. I wanna, I wanna punch somebody or give multiple spankings or whatever the situation is, or it's just thoughts that I'm like, I cannot believe that just rolled through my head. But God tells me I need to take every single one, grab it, bend it, and put it in obedience to Christ, right? So this, this war that's going on, the moment you made a decision to put Christ in the center of your life, you were enlisted. I see it as three stages. I see enlistment, boot camp, and deployment. We're all in these three stages, and I think it just kind of rotates. But the moment you make the exception, you said, hey, I want Jesus, I love you, you're my savior, and you feel this, you know, you cross the line and you feel peace, and you're like excited, and you tell everyone, that is the moment that it starts. That you are now, you know, you're stepping into a war. Because the world doesn't see it that way, right? Who, and, and, and you need to understand that because you are identified with Christ, because you are identified with, it, it would be just like a battle. If you are identified with the opponent, now you are the enemy, okay? So look at it this way. This is what God's word said. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's with the rulers against with the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. For those, 
God foreknew, this is Romans 8, 29 through 30. For God, for those God foreknew, he predestined to be conformed into the image of his son. That's when we made that decision, okay? We now, now we're part of Jesus and we're being conformed into his, we wanna look like him, right? We want people to come across us and we want them to talk to us and they, we want them to see Jesus, right? Am I right, okay? Say, say I see Jesus. Tell your neighbor, I see Jesus. Okay, we wanna look like Jesus, okay? So, for those God foreknew, he predestined to be conformed into the image of his son, that we might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he justified. And those he justified, he glorified. Right, so we are in this enlistment. Then, then we go into boot camp, all right? We've identified, hey, I wanna be a part of this family, this is what I wanna do, and we step into boot camp. And the battle mind, if you join the army, if you join the army, one of the goals is that you have a battle mind. Is anybody in the armed forces here at all? No. Okay. So you, the goal is for you to have a battle mind, okay? Walter Reed, Army Institute of Research, says a soldier's inner strength to face fear and adversity during combat with courage is a battle mind. It is the will to persevere and win, and it is resilience. This is where you're formed into a warrior. Perseverance is created, character is created, and focus. Like, think back to the last time you saw a war movie. I'm trying to, like, like um, what's that movie with uh, the woman, she wants to be a Marine? Yeah, Demi Moore's in it. G.I. Jane. Jane, do you remember that movie? I'm not saying I'm recommended, I saw it way back. So I don't know what's in the content of that movie. So don't go home and say, oh, Veronica, say go rent G.I. Jane. That it would really pump me up spiritually. But I, but I vividly, they vividly show the process of these Marines getting broken down. And it's like this woman going through this process of like carrying big logs, getting in the dirt. And it's like you're almost, you're part of a unit and the unit is more important than you. You just, that, that's the mindset. It's like, this, this is what we're gonna do. This is what we need you to do. And we're gonna ask you to do some crazy stuff at crazy hours. You're not at home. So you can't just go, oh, I don't wanna do this and go back to bed. It's like, no, 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 no. You gotta do what the drill sergeant asks you to do. So this boot camp starts and it starts to break you down. Like the whole idea is to break you down. Well, Jesus' boot camp is a little bit different. Because it's all about building you up in him, right? You're being rebuilt into what we should have been before sin entered the world, right? We are being conformed. We're being transformed into his likeness. And so this is where our warrior mentality comes about. Now, we start to learn how to use our offensive and defensive weapons. We have things like the armor of God. We put the belt of truth around of our waist, that God loves me, that he cares about me, that he created me, that I'm special and wonderful to him. And you put the breastplate of righteousness on, which is that heart connection with God, that I wanna be in right relationship with you. And then you, then you get your shield of faith to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the enemy. Because your faith can do that. You step into your boots of peace. 
So that as you're warring out, that that is what you're carrying with you is God's peace with every single step. No matter what crazy tornado is going around you, you're stepping in the midst of peace. You put on the helmet of salvation. I like it because it's so vivid. The anointing, God's anointing over you. And you made that decision that I want to be what you called me to be, God. And I know I'm not worthy of it, but Lord, I'm made perfect in Jesus. Yes. And then you take out your sword, which is the word, and you stand ready and prepared because you implant that word in your heart so you might not sin against him. But that word is not only a defensive mechanism, it's offensive so that you can battle off. Greater is he that is in me than he is in this world. I can't tell you how many times I say that, ladies. I'm like, I'll see you for every situation. Candy bar, greater is he that is in me than he is in this candy bar. Greater is he that is in me than he, or, or when my daughter's pushing my buttons, greater is he that is in me than Penelope Moorhead. Oh, Jesus, I need you. Greater is he that is in me. I tell you, you put the word in your heart, it doesn't matter what situation you're in. It doesn't matter. God's word does not return back void. Come on, I want to hear amen. amen. All right, so we got these offensive and we pray. We pray. Ladies, do not neglect your prayer time. How are you going to know Jesus if you don't spend time with him? You don't talk to him. And it doesn't need to be formal. It took me a long time. I grew up, I was raised in the Catholic church, and I thought it had to have a lot of thous and nines. I'm like, Lord, thou art amazing. Please bless this, it's me. And it wasn't until I came into this church where I had a pastor, I had Pastor Gary stand up here. He's like, you could just talk to him. I'm like, really? He's going to want to talk to me? Who am I? I'm a mess. But the more we talked, the more we got to know each other. But you have to realize, too, that you can't stop that. It's like, it's like me moving away and then not talking to my friends. We come back together, and it's like we've never been, like we've never parted, but we've missed the activity in the middle, right? It doesn't mean that Jesus misses it. It means that I miss the connections of what he's doing in my life. So my eyes got focused on the wrong things. So we need, desperately need that prayer. So we got all these weapons and we're, and we're growing and we're taking our divine weapons and we're given the ability to demolish strongholds through the resurrection of the power of Jesus. It's huge. So that means anything, any situation you're in, that through the power of Jesus, let's talk about the power of Jesus. What did Jesus do? He died and he rose again. That in itself is pretty powerful. Like if you don't believe in Jesus, like you know, he died and he rose again. That is the power imparted for you to demolish strongholds in your life. So when you say things like, I can't do this, you're right. <laughs> you can't, but Jesus can. Amen. I say that because I know it. 
because I've experienced it, because I've seen it, because I've tasted it. It's possible. I know it's hard. You, just, it, you can hear people and go, well, I don't know she know. But I'm a wife. I, I'm a woman who was married to a man, made the decision to marry a man who was an alcoholic because I could fix him. <laughs> I have recovery. I can't. But <laughs> I married him thinking I love him and I'll, and I'll fix him so it's not going to be a big deal. Give it a year and he'll be perfect. But I couldn't even fix myself. And I spiraled into the craziest person and the cruelest human being you could ever meet. Because I was trying to be God. And God came in and he changed my life. And he said, you know what? I don't care. I don't care that you have these horrible things that go on in your mind. I don't care. I love you right where you are. I'm not expecting perfection. I'm coming and meeting you right where you are, and I'm telling you I love you. And the love of God will wear you out. And he changed me, completely changed me. So I say these things because I know. I also say these things because I know what it feels like to be in a battle all the time, where it's like, oh, God, just I want some relief. Please, one thing after the next thing after the next thing. But I also know what it's like when I'm standing in God's peace and one thing after the next thing after the next thing comes and all I have is peace. That's it. It's like, okay, what's next? Come on. I'm ready for it. Because <laughs> I don't have to do it. Jesus took care of it. Jesus is taking care of it. Now there's stuff I have to do, which is take. I have to take hold of the peace he gives me. But there's, he got it. He good. So as we're going through boot camp, there's one thing that people who go to war, they, that they don't have. Like if we as the United States of America went to war with someone else, we're, we're making a gamble in a sense of if we will win this war or not. Because there's no definite outcome. Well, isn't it awesome that for our war, we know the outcome? We know we're going to win, right? It, it, says it, it says it right here that we win, it, we win, like Jesus wins, boom, our team wins. So shouldn't we battle differently? We should, I think a lot of the times when I'm in the midst of a battle and I'm focused on the wrong things, I feel like I'm going to be crushed and demolished. But I need to remember that Jesus wins. Amen. That no matter what the battle happens, let's talk about battles. So who likes the Civil War? Anybody history buff? Like history? Pastor Meg? That's it. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> that's all good. But let's go back to the Civil War and the, and the first battle, Battle of Bull Run. Okay? So we have, we have the Confederates and we have the Union Army. And they are both inexperienced armies. Very inexperienced. They don't have everything that they really should have, but it's time. Like the battle line has been drawn and it's time to go to war. The Confederate army comes up on the rail and entrenches themselves. Remember, they are not ready. They don't have all the things. They're not totally trained. They're a bunch of renegades, but the battle line is set. They go up and they entrench themselves. The Union officers go to Lincoln and say, we can't, we can't do this. Like, we need more training. 
we need more guys, we need more equipment, but it's, they're there. So in a sense, they were late for their own war, right? They're late for their own battle. And they come, and they, it's a bloody defeat. The Confederates win. Yikes. First battle. Isn't it awesome that one battle doesn't win the war? Because I can stand here before you because of the Civil War. Because I would not exist, most likely. Because <laughs> my mom is white and my dad is black. I would not exist unless there was a slave war. Anyway, we're not going to go there. But I most likely would not exist or be able to speak to you if that Civil War didn't happen. One battle doesn't lose the war. And we have to realize that. You know, we, you may be battling with addiction. You may be battling with family. You may be battling with your, just your own brain. Know that if you lose this battle, it does not lose the war. And the war is won. He wins. He wins, right? So when I look at battle and I look at it as a Christian, I look at it this way, that grace and mercy are my triage. So that when I come back and I'm bloody and I feel defeated, that Jesus' grace and mercy can put me and restore me back together so that I can go out to fight another day. Because I'm not saying that we're not going to have those moments where we feel defeated. It's just not, it's just not life. You are going to feel defeated. But it is his grace and mercy that will put you back together. The other thing that happens in boot camp is that in the, if you're in the army, they have what they call a battle buddy. And I think it's kind of funny. It's called a battle buddy. I feel like it should be like a demolition dude or <laughs> something not. So, hey, battle buddy. Um, sounds very cartoony to me. But you have a battle buddy. And the idea of this battle buddy is that as you go through the battle and you start to do things that you thought you would never do, hold a gun, shoot somebody. I mean, the, the things that our troops do to protect our freedom is, in, it just blows my mind and there's not a day where I'm not grateful. But you have this battle buddy that when you're going through battle, they're going through the same battle with you and you can talk to them. It's like, hey, this is what I'm thinking. This, and it is encouraged that if you're dreaming, that if you're thinking things, that you talk about it with your battle buddy so that you know that you're not isolated. Ladies, when things get tough, we get isolated. We don't want, I don't want to tell you what's going on in here. This is my box. <laughs> and the more we isolate, the more we are away from the rest of our troops. So who wouldn't want that if you were in a war? If we were really in a war, would you not think the enemy would be ecstatic when he sees you isolated from everybody else? We got to stop. Pick up the phone and call somebody. I'm not good. When I, <laughs> thank you very much. Um, when I first moved to Ohio, it was like I, we got on the plane and I was like, glory, glory. I know I'm supposed to be going to Ohio. Like all excited. We get there and like boots on the ground. It was like, <gasps> what am I doing here? And then I went into the house that I purchased online. What in the world? I'm going to kill my in-laws. <laughs> and then 
I, as we're driving, even before that, we're driving through the neighborhood. I'm like, <gasps> I would have never bought this house. <laughs> we get in and we're just like, you know how like, I, I don't, for those of you who are married, when you're tired, like when we call it halting, because we're both in recovery. So we have hungry, angry, lonely, tired. We were halting to a whole new, we needed something to eat. We were angry and we were lonely because we were isolating off and we were definitely tired. So we're just like, why am I in Ohio? Like, ah, I can go back to the desert. Ah. And then I went to bed and I slept and I woke up and the sun came up and everything looked different. Everything. I walked, I was like, this is the most beautiful house I've ever seen. And I went in the backyard, I'm like, oh, my kids have a place, they have a swing set. And I went in the front, I'm like, I have grass. <laughs> and trees. And then I drove out of my neighborhood another way. And went down the road, like, two seconds, and there are cornfields that deer come and eat. 25 at a time. I'm like, oh. I'm sorry, because we like to focus on the negative instead of focusing on the blessing. I know God had called me. I know he called my family to move there, but I was so focused on all the things that I felt were wrong that I missed the blessing. I wish it ended there. I wish that day I could tell you <laughs> that it ended there, but it didn't, because as I looked out my door, and I looked at my neighborhood, and I have a beautiful neighborhood. I had this little girl start coming to my house. I don't know, <laughs> like, it's very weird to me, because in Vegas, that does not happen. People don't go, hey, can I come and play? I saw you have a little, you know. So she comes to my house, and she's there all the time, all the time. And I am freaked out by this kid. <laughs> because my kids have been in private Christian school since like six weeks. And this kid, I don't know where you came from. What are your parents, who are your parents? Where do you live? And I'm fearful. And I'm shutting my door and I'm isolating and I'm pretending like I'm not home. I'm, I'm just being transparent, people. And I'm in this depression for like a good month. I was like, I don't, I don't want my kid. I don't know who my kids are talking to. I don't know. I don't know if they have Jesus. I don't, I don't know. And then God's like, as I'm driving to my neighborhood, my husband took the kids one day and I was driving. I went and got my speedy pop because we don't have polar pops nearby. Whoops up for Circle K. And God says clearly to me, this is your church. As I'm driving through my neighborhood, this is your church and the bubble popped and then I started calling people I started calling my battle buddies they're like where you been <laughs> it's been like a month I'm like this is what's going on I'm not good I am not good help me and the moment that came out of my mouth everything changed then I started focusing on the blessing I started focusing on all the great things God was doing. I was focused on the fact, you know, we would have never bought that house. Never, ever, ever bought that house. 
But in living in that house, it is the, we love it. It is the perfect house for our family. Basement, Florida room, backyard. And that was Jesus who provided it. It's Jesus who picked it. And it's Jesus who planted us there so that we could minister to our church, the street that we live on, the neighborhood we live in. So ladies, get up with your battle buddies. Then we go to deployment, and it's time for us to get boots on the ground and get on the front lines. And it's exciting time for soldiers, especially when they've gone through boot camp, because that's why they're like, that's why they enlisted. And they have this battle mind, and they're like, yes, we're ready to go. The battle mind tells you you're going to win, right? We're going to win. We're going to go, and we're going to win. Let's go get them. I'm ready. And they get the letter. Let's go. You're going. You're deployed. And then they find themselves on the line. Now, the awesome part of deployment, if you're in the Army, the Walter Reed says this about it, that it strengthens your battle mind. It's an opportunity for you to lead. It's an opportunity for you to show courage, to appreciate what's important come on, and to mature you. Sometimes we're so quick to get out of the battle that we miss the fact that there are some great, incredible things that are going to happen because of the battle, right? Because we're going to get matured, right? We're supposed to show joy. We're supposed to have joy when trials come at us, right? Because it creates perseverance. And then perseverance, character. And character, hope. And hope doesn't disappoint us because it's poured out in us by the love of the Holy Spirit, whom God has given us, right? That's what I'm talking about. See, she knows. We're so quick to run from it that we don't trench down and fight. Knowing the outcome is, I'm going to have a little bit better character. I'm going to have way more hope. And I'm going to look a lot more like Jesus when I'm done with this because I'm going to rely on him through the whole fight. You know what's cool? You know what's really cool? is that we have a commander-in-chief. Like, okay, let's take, let's, okay, we go to war. United States go to war. Boop, boop. Let's say we fight Switzerland. I don't know. So we go to war in Switzerland, and we, you know, commander-in-chief says we're going to war. He goes to Senate. I'm not really good with government, so I'm not sure. All, but anyway, it gets passed through. Everybody says, yes, we're going to war. And we go, and we're going to beat the Swiss. Them and their Swiss watches and cheese and delicious milk chocolates. We're taking them down. We're going to win. Right? So we go out, and we go out. And Obama sits in his nice chair and watches his little screens. Probably one has something he likes to watch on TV. I don't know much about him. But he's there leading. But he's not there. He's here. OK, so we have a commander in chief that's going to go to war with us. He's going to go before us. He's not going to stick behind a couple, yeah, I'll stand back here just in case things get bad so I can ride my horse off. No, he's in front. Come on. I'm going to stand before you. I'm going to stand behind you. I'm going to surround you with favor like a shield. I'm going to be above you. I'm going to be on every side of you. I'm going to fight with you. You are not alone. What? Come on. 
Jesus is awesome. So we're on our line, right? Ready to fight. Woohoo! It's kind of exciting. But we got to have that mindset that we're going to win. Because if we don't have that battle mind, we lose. Take uh, Elisha and King Jehoahash, which is an awesome name. But Elisha, he's like ready to die. He's going to die. This is in 2 Kings 7, I believe. Check in. 13, sorry. And he's about to die, and the king comes to him. He says, take an arrow and a bow. Shoot it out the window. You're going to have victory over your enemies. Now take that arrow and hit the floor. Boom, boom, boom. And Elisha gets really angry. He's like really upset. Why'd you hit three times? Now remember, part of this you got to remember he's dying. So it's kind of interesting that his, this is like the last account of him being alive. Why'd you only hit it three times? Because now you're not going to win the war. You're just going to win three battles. If you had hit it more, you would have conquered everyone. And then it says he died, <laughs> which I think is interesting. And then the next story is somebody takes a dead body, throws it next to his bones, and it comes back to life. But anyway, I think that's kind of an interesting tidbit. But he says you would, have, you would have won the war, but you only did it three times. Ladies, we're gonna have, it's gonna feel like we have the same battle over and over. I fought this, I fought this, I fought this, I already did this, I'm done with this. I, no, no. <laughs> the war is not over. You gotta keep fighting. You get in triage, you get your grace and mercy, you get refitted and you go out and fight again. And you win, and you win, and you win. The one thing that we have to understand is that when we win, we win, right? I tell the enemy, we win. You got to tell him, guess what? We win. We win. Jesus wins. My team wins. Nothing, nothing, nothing can separate you from that. Because that is the love of God. Nothing can separate you. No height, no depth, no angels, no demons, no principalities. Nothing, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Come on now. So here we go. We're on the battle lines. We're entrenched. We're ready to go. I got my battle buddy. I got my armor and I'm ready to fight. Now, when God, when I said, I told you before we started, when God gave me the vision of this moment and this opportunity to speak to you, he asked me to do something that probably if I had said this at the beginning of the breakout, most of you would have left. I'll just be honest. <laughs> but, um, but Jesus was really clear, Matthew 18, 3 and 4. He said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like a, a little child, 
you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Um, I think there's something to be said about being a child that is awesome, that children just don't care. They just don't, they don't care. Like my daughter will, we're in the bank and then all of a sudden she's like, That's her, her thing. She likes to point and stick her tongue out and then do this, which I'm not wild about. And I laugh every time. I'll stop it. But she doesn't care because having joy is more important to her than how she looks, right? She's not so, care, she's not so worried about looking foolish. Let me tell you what God does with the foolish things. He uses the foolish things to shame the wise, <laughs> And sometimes, lady, we got to get a little foolish, right? Because God's, God's wisdom is foolishness to this world. Sometimes we got to look a little weird and a little stupid. I'm serious. We got to look a little, we're different, right? We're supposed to look different. We're supposed to be different. So we got to look different. So I want you guys to stand up. I know, sorry. Those who can stand, please stand. We're on the front line. We're ready for battle. We're entrenched. We got our boots in the ground. We're ready to fight. There's one thing that armies did. I don't think they do that now, but used to do, and it was called the battle cry. If I could have named this message something different, I would have called it, find your battle cry. Because that's what we need to find. The battle cry was created or done to intimidate the opponent. So when you have a thousand people standing on a line, yelling, knowing with a battle mind that they're gonna win, it intimidates the opponent and they, they don't wanna fight. Let's take Gideon, right? Sorry, because you're standing, but Gideon, he has all these warriors. God says, no, nope, I'm gonna, Weed that down to 300. The ones who lapped the water. Right? And I always think about you. Not the ones who did this. <laughs> the fancy boys. Don't want to get my shirt dirty. But the ones who lapped. They were willing to get dirty. I'm going to lap the water. I'm thirsty. I'm not 20 anymore. Um, so that's who he chose. That's who God chose. And he said, I will give you victory. I will give you victory. And they stood and they had their trumpets and their pots and they started screaming for the Lord and Gideon. And all of these troops, the sea, it was a sea of troops, freaked out, 300, mind you, remember, 300, sea, they're looking down in the valley, in a sea, could you imagine how many people are in a sea of troops, looking in the valley, and they turned on each other and killed each other because they were confused, that's what a battle cry does, that's what a battle cry does, and I think we need to find that battle cry, if you're weary, it's because you lost your battle cry. If you're weary, it's because you forgot your battle cry. 
what's your battle cry? It's your praise. Thank you, Jesus. I know you win this. So I think, since this is Fierce Warrior, and the photo booth is nice and primitive, and got ladies with their, they got their feathers in their hair. Come on now. I think it's time for us to deep, reach deep down inside and find the battle cry. Now I'm asking you to do something that when I saw it, I was like, Jesus, are you for sure? <laughs> but when I remember that when I doubt Jesus and what he says to me, that I'm calling him a liar. So if he told me to do this, I'm going to do it. And you better be with me <laughs> to edify me. <laughs> but this is really, I need it too. To reach down deep in your soul and find the guttural cry that says, thank you, Jesus. So this is what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you so just take a moment, close your eyes, and you're standing on that cliff, and you're not alone. You're not alone, and there's a sea of impossibility. There's a sea of, no, I can't get sober. There's a sea of, I can't get my finances together. I can't pay my mortgage. There's a sea of, my children are just a mess. There's a sea of impossibility. And your commander in chief is standing in front of you. And he's saying, I make the impossible possible. It's time. It's time to fight. And in this moment, on the count of three, it doesn't have to be a word. It doesn't have to be a phrase. It can just be a cry. That in solidarity, this room full of strangers, we believe and we know that he wins. So on the count of three, at the top of your lungs, I want you to cry out. I want you to cry out from the bottom of your toes. I want it to roll up through your knees, up in your hips, and just roll out of your mouth. One, two, three. behind you too. Are you ready? Are you ready? I don't believe you. Are you ready? 
victory is ours. It's ours. Now listen, take a moment before you go to your next breakout session and you write down one thing that you believe is impossible and you write it down, you put it somewhere in your Bible, whatever you look at daily and you remind yourself that the God of impossible, he makes things possible. He makes the impossible possible. You remind yourself that you're not alone. You remind yourself, you, and you, if you showed up with your battle buddy, you better put arms together and say, I need you to battle with me. I need you. And then you need to walk out and in your steps and in what you do, praise Jesus. Can we do that? Then you walk out. You say, God is good. God is awesome. So I'm in the mud. I'm in the dirt. I'm dirty from lapping up. But I know God is awesome and he is with me in this battle and I am not alone. Ladies, I love you so much. I love you. I don't even know all of you, but I love you. Isn't that, isn't that what is great about being a part of this family? Is that you just have this love for people. I don't know what is going on in your life. And I'm praying, please, Jesus, that your hearts will understand and know that you are not alone. Can I pray for you? Okay. Dear Jesus, you are so awesome. You are so faithful. Lord, you are our strong tower. You are our mighty fortress. You are our rock of salvation. God, help. Help us wherever we are right now, Lord. Help us. Help us to keep our eyes fixed on you, to be fixed on gratitude, to not look at a panoramic view of the battle that we're in, but to stay in the moment and in step with the commander in chief that's standing before us, leading us forward. We love you, Lord. We thank you. We praise you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I love you guys. So one thing before you go. A woman brought in a Bible. She said that she was told that she was supposed to bring a gift. And so Katrina gave this to me and said, I think you're supposed to have this. I think there's somebody here today that needs a Bible. That you may not have one. So you just come up here and just know that from California, this Bible was for you. Okay? All right, now you're dismissed.